If you will open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 is one of those passages in the Bible that we need to uh, pay attention to because chapter 4 of 2 Timothy are the last words that the Apostle Paul wrote to anyone that we have record of. Not sure what happened after he wrote these words, but there is some speculation because of the things that he said in the text that perhaps these words were written right before he was executed. There were some who believe he got pardoned by Caesar and he had the opportunity to go into Spain and some other places, but yet the words that the Apostle Paul write here are the last words that he ever wrote and they sound like the last words of a man who is about to die. Of course, these words were written to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy, who was a gospel preacher, and I think it's fitting that the very last letter that he ever wrote was to a loved one someone who was special to him, someone that he wanted to give some encouragement to after he left this life. But I want us to listen to the words that Paul wrote when he was there in prison in Rome and about to be executed, and he wrote these words with a pen and then laid down his pen for all eternity. Listen to what he had to say to Timothy. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but because of their own lust they shall heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears who shall turn away their ears from the truth unto fables. But you need to do the work of the evangelist. You need to endure afflictions. You need, he's basically saying, you need to keep going on and doing what is right. But then he says, do your diligence to come to me shortly. In other words, Paul is begging Timothy, please, Timothy, get here before I die. Because this is what he says in between. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, but not only to me, but to all them that love his appearing. He's telling Timothy, you need to get here. Do your diligence to get here because I'm about to die. And then in verse 10, he says some of the saddest words that we find recorded in the Bible. He says, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Here was a man that was about to die. Here is a man who has spent his entire life serving Christ and serving others. Here is a man who was about to die because of his faith in Jesus Christ and because he was a Christian. But as we read later on in this same chapter that when he made his last defense before Caesar that no man stood with him, he was all alone. 
And evidently, Demas was the very last person that was going to be by his side. He was the last friend that he thought that he could count on because everybody else had left. But then there's the sad words in verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. This morning, we're going to spend some time talking about Demas and how that he was indeed a tragic failure. It's interesting, Demas is a very minor character in the New Testament. Uh, He's only mentioned three times. But yet he is someone that people have familiarity with, and he is someone that we need to take notice of and spend some time studying his life. As I said, he's only mentioned three times. Uh, He's mentioned uh, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14 where uh, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now that's a very short verse, and Demas's name is mentioned, but I want, you to, I want you to take notice of the fact of what company he is in and the setting of why Paul said what he said. In other words, Paul was writing this letter, and at, with him at the time was Luke, who of course wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and Luke was his traveling companion, and the implication is that Demas was also his traveling companion. Here was someone who was very close to Paul, and someone that Paul thought enough about, and other people knew enough about him, that when Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, he made very special mention of the fact, because here's two guys you're going to know, because you know how they are hard workers with me, and you know who they are. He mentions Luke. And he mentions Demas. They salute you. They greet you. And then the other time that Demas's name appears in the New Testament is in Philemon verse 24. And it says, And so do Mark, Articus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Once again, Paul is writing a letter to an individual by the name of Philemon. And he wants to pass on some greetings. And in other words, Philemon, here's some people you know. And the reason why you know them is because of our close relationship together with them. These are people who travel with me. These are people who help me. In fact, the text says, my fellow workers. The Apostle Paul put Demas in a very special category He lines him up as a fellow worker or a fellow laborer with Paul, someone that had enough notoriety that both the church at Colossae and a man by the name of Philemon knew who Demas was. But then we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. And here's where we find the third place where Demas is mentioned. It simply says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 reminds us these very important words from the Apostle Paul when he says, Whosoever thinketh that he stands, take heed lest he fall. As we look at the life of Demas, we can see a man who did not count the cost, who did not take in consideration what was going on in his life. He did not prepare himself for the long haul, if you will. 
to remain faithful to Christ and to his work. We need to be very vigilant. We need to always be careful that we take heed like the Apostle Paul says, lest we too also fall. So I think that Demas makes an interesting case study of someone who was a Christian, but yet because of whatever happened in his life, perhaps he was fearing that his own life would end like the Apostle Paul. He decided to turn his back on his friend and leave Paul in the most dire circumstance ever in his life when he's about to be put to death. But before we talk more about that, let's think about some happier times in Demas' life. First of all, this morning, I want you to think about the fact that um, though not recorded, his Christian life must have started in a wonderful way. We're not sure what the circumstances are because the Bible doesn't tell us, but we do know that, that Demas was a Christian. And so there was a point in time in his life We don't know how long he struggled with it. We don't know how long someone talked to him about it. We don't know how much uh, study time was involved. But there was a point in his life where he stood up and he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he was baptized for the remission of his sins. We don't know if this took place in a lake somewhere. We don't know if this took place in a pool somewhere around a certain city. But we do know that he became a Christian. And we also know that when he became a Christian, it should have been the happiest day of his life. Ethiopian eunuch, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39, after he obeyed the gospel, what does the scripture say? That he went on his way rejoicing. When a person becomes a Christian, it should be a time of rejoicing. Over in Acts chapter 16, as we read the story of the conversion of the Philippian jailer, after he was baptized, the text tells us that he rejoiced with his whole house. And so there had to be a time in Demas' life when he was a very happy, happy person because he made the commitment to start following Jesus Christ. He made the commitment to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He made the commitment to obey the command to become a Christian and became one and had his sins taken care of. He had his robe made white. He had his sins washed away. He was a Christian who was no longer under the burden of sin and the slavehood of Satan. And we know he had to do this because all New Testament conversions are the same. Demas was saved in the same way everybody else was saved in the New Testament and the same way that anybody is saved in today in the New Testament age. Whether you start at the beginning of the book of Acts or you go to the end of the book of Acts, people are always saved the exact same way. For example, the very first time that we have recorded of anyone being saved in the New Testament in becoming a Christian, We have the account in Acts chapter 2 when that first gospel sermon was preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter standing with the rest of the apostles after he told them about how that Jesus was one who fulfilled prophecy and how he was one who resurrected from the dead. He comes to the conclusion of his lesson there in verse 36 and he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. And it says, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. 
And then verse 41 of the same text says, they that gladly received his word, talking about Peter's command, were then baptized, and they were added unto their number about 3,000 souls. In other words, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Peter says, this is what you need to do, do to be saved. You need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. But then when you go all the way to the end of the book of Acts, and the last recorded conversion, which is, of course, out of order, but it's the last recorded conversion that we have record of, as Paul recounts when he was saved, Remember how in Acts 22 that Paul had saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He realized he had been wrong for all this time. He had spent a period of roughly three days praying and fasting because he was so sorrowful for what he had done to Jesus. And a preacher by the name of Ananias came to see him. And in Acts 22 and verse 16, he gave Paul the command about what he needed to do in order to be saved. He says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We know that Demas did the same thing because this is what people did in the New Testament. Whether it was at the beginning of the New Testament age on the day of Pentecost or at the very end of the book of Acts, which is a book of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church. It was the same way. So we know Demas at one point in his life responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ and was baptized for the remission of his sins. But don't miss the point here. It was a great day. It was a wonderful day when someone decides to put on Jesus Christ in baptism and devote their life to Jesus Christ. It is something to rejoice about and for which to be thankful. Of course, this morning to drive the point home, I want you to think about the time when you did the exact same thing. Whether it was a long time ago or whether it was recent, whether it was in a church building or whether it was in a pool or whether it was in a lake or a creek, regardless of how you were baptized, I want you to think about that day and I want you to think about when you came up out of the water. I want you to think about the relief you felt. I want you to think about the rejoicing that you felt. I want you to think about how it was the happiest day that you've ever experienced in your life because your sins were washed away. And you made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ and you made a commitment that you were going to serve Him the rest of your life and you were going to put your faith and trust in Him. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Demas' life as a Christian must have started out in such a wonderful, wonderful way. In the same way that your Christian life should have started in a wonderful, wonderful way. But then I want you to think about this. There was a time when Demas was a faithful and loyal worker for the Lord. We've already mentioned Philemon verse 24, but there Paul very clearly refers to him as a fellow worker. The King James has fellow laborer. Here was someone who was dedicated. Here was someone who was working hard with Paul. He was a traveling companion with Paul. That means he put up with the hardships that Paul put up with. It means that he did without like Paul did without. It means that he went into different places and preached with Paul and studied with other people. It was not an easy life, but Demas was committed to the work. He was someone who was working for the Lord as he worked with the most famous missionary that the world had ever seen, the Apostle Paul. Here was a man who was a worker for the Lord. And folks, all of us should want to be workers for the Lord. Uh, 
We have a song in our songbook that we sometimes sing, I want to be a worker for the Lord. But I think sometimes we may sing that song half-heartedly or we may not sing it uh, truthfully. We may be singing it with our fingers crossed because, uh, not to be harsh, but I don't think everybody wants to be a worker for the Lord. The Bible very clearly tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, Paul says to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But yet, as you look out at different congregations and as you look out at different Christians and even as you look at this congregation, we find people who want to be laborers and then we find people who just simply want to be uh, lookers. We find people who are willing to Uh, be on fire for the Lord, but then we find others who just simply want to be lukewarm. We find people who want to really, really work, and then we find others who just rather wait and see what happens. We find people who uh, are willing to do whatever needs to be done, and then we'll find other people who are willing to let them do it. We find some people who are willing to do whatever they can to build up the church and make the church successful and make the church productive. And there's others, if we left it up to them, then the church would die. Once again, not trying to be harsh, not trying to castigate anything on anybody, but my point is simply this. We all need to be workers for the Lord. But as we look at Demas, here was someone who was fulfilling his Christian duty. There was someone who was really working hard. This wasn't somebody who just did a little bit for the Lord. This was what was not someone who just simply attended services, if you will. This is not someone who just gave some of his uh, monetary things back to the Lord in the contribution basket. But this was someone who was dedicated, someone who was strong in his work, someone who had sacrificed, someone who was willing to do whatever it took because he was traveling with the Apostle Paul and everything that involved that hardship. Those long voyages, those sleepless nights, the lack of food at times, sometimes even being in prison. He wanted to do it because he was a fellow worker. But then, there's one final point I want you to think about. Here's where we really need to spend some time dwelling just for a moment in our minds. But Paul wrote these sad, shameful words about his one-time co-worker and friend and brother. But Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I want you to think about that for a moment. Let that sink in just for a moment. I want you to think about everything we've said thus far. Here was someone who was a Christian, someone who dedicated his life to Jesus Christ, someone who was just not a member by affiliation, but a member who was very involved. He was a fellow worker with Paul. He evidently was a hard worker, or else Paul would not refer to him in Philemon chapter 24 as a fellow laborer. He was someone that was known in the church as being a co-worker with Paul. Because why else would Paul name him by name in his letters? 
In other words, when he said his name, it wasn't people in the churches wouldn't say, I wonder who Paul is talking about. No, they knew exactly who he was. He was there in the same list of notable names as Luke, the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts. Here was a man, by everything you could think about, was a Christian. But here was a man that fell away. I know there are those in the religious world today who say that once you're saved, you're always saved. You don't need to worry about it. Just, just don't, don't let it pass out of your mind. But I've already mentioned, Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he that thinketh he can stand, take heed lest he fall. In other words, you need to be careful with that type of attitude because there is the possibility you can fall. But there's also other passages in the Bible. In fact, there's many passages in the Bible that talks about the possibility of falling. So the idea of once saved, always saved is basically a false doctrine because it is in direct confrontation with what the Bible says. Let me just give you two examples this morning. For example, we have the story in Luke chapter 8 of the seeds and the soil, and that whole parable is about the gospel and how how the gospel affects people. And you come to these sad words in verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. When I read that verse, Demas popped into my mind because evidently Demas, when he decided to leave Paul, it was during a time of testing. You remember where the words of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, where they're, where they're being written, why they're being recorded. What did Paul say? He says, for I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is, hand, is at hand. But I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In other words, I am ready to die for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Evidently, Demas wasn't ready to die for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was the test he couldn't pass. And so Paul wrote, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. But then there's another passage in the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, beginning where it gives us a very vivid picture of how someone can actually be a Christian, but then something can happen to them. For notice what it says about them. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now folks, that's pretty clear. This is someone who has escaped the world. How have they escaped the world? Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then the text goes on and says they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Well, what could be worse about being lost? Well, what could be worse is being saved and then being lost. But then notice the picture it paints. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Once again, a very vivid picture of someone, as the text says, escaped the pollution of the world. 
How? Through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Someone in verse 21, as it says, they had known the way of righteousness, but then they turned away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And then the picture of a dog who, because of something within his stomach, his body is rebelling against it. It's it's making him sick. His body says, we need to reject this from our body because this is not good for you. Get it out of your system. And... Not to be gross, but the dog vomits up this thing that is offending his entire body. But a dog being a dog doesn't always think very clearly. And I've seen a dog do this before. He'll turn right back to that vomit and eat it again and put it right back in his system. But the next picture is a more vivid one if you think about your Christianity. You see, the sow in the picture is you and I. Someone who is the lowest of the low, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have been made clean, we have been washed, we have had all that dirt and filth removed from us, and how foolish, how stupid would it be? After having that done for us, would we want to go back and lie in the mud once again? My point is simply this, when Paul says we need to take heed lest we fall, he meant it because it is a possibility for a Christian to fall away. In fact, we have a very nice case study of it here with Demas. Now, what happened to Demas? We don't know. We don't know why he decided to leave Paul, why he decided to forsake Paul. But the Bible does tell us simply this, having loved this present world. In other words, he took the world, and he took heaven, and he weighed them in the balances, and he decided to pick the world. He, he looked at the world, and he looked at Jesus Christ, and he weighed them in the balances, and he says, I'll, I'll pick the world. Don't know if it was the fear of death that he, was, uh, that he didn't want to deal with. I don't know if he just got tired and he decided that this wasn't worth it anymore. I don't know if there was some particular sin that just kept pulling at him and kept pulling at him and he finally says, I've had enough of it. The bottom line is, he loved the world more than he loved Jesus Christ. What was it that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24? He says, no man can serve two masters. Or he'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold on to one and despise the other. You see, if you try to hold on to Christ with one hand, and try to hold on to the world in the other hand, and you get that tug of war that's pulling you back and forth, usually it's the world that's going to win. Demas had a world problem. He loved the world more than he loved Jesus Christ. And I don't have to guess about that. I know why Paul wrote those words that he wrote, and I know why Demas left Paul. I don't know the exact reason, but I know the underlying reason, because the text tells us, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Sad, sad chapter in a man's life. A man who started life as a Christian. A man who was a fellow laborer for the Lord. A man who had notoriety within the Christian community that Paul would even mention his name to others. But in the end, he loved the world more than he loved Jesus Christ. 
As we close today, I want to share with you a, with a, with you a scripture that's found in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2. And really, it's the only invitation that we need to issue this morning, the only last parting words you need to think about as we leave today. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one because you don't need to neglect the great salvation that God has offered you through His Son, Jesus Christ. But this verse was written to Christians. And this verse is reminding us that we need to be diligent. We need to take heed to the things that we learn from God's Word. And we should not ever let them slip from our minds. Because how can we neglect such a great salvation that's been given to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. If you have a need this morning, we hope that you'll come as together we stand and sing.